I fought God a little bit this week. I don't know. You've never done that, I know. But I can't seem to get God on the same page with me for some reason. I'm a planner. I don't know how many of you are. I know some of you fly by the seat of your britches and you do it well. I just can't do that. I'm sorry. I just have to know what I'm doing, where I'm going, what time I'm leaving, what time I'm going to arrive. We went to this national quartet thing Friday night and, and Erlene texted me and she said, are you on your way? And I said, no, not yet. She said, you better hurry. She said, the traffic is out. And Shirley says, you need to be here by 5.30. So Shirley apparently is setting my schedule now these days. I, I told her, I said, I said, we haven't left yet. Donna is still spraying her hairdo. But we'll, we'll be there when we can get there. But we had already decided what time we were going to leave. I plan. I don't just walk out the door randomly. And I plan what I feel like I need to say to you because... I don't want to just shoot off the cuff and, and that, I want to be able to speak intelligently and in a way that you can receive the word of God in your lives in such a way that it will transform you. But God has not let me do what I typically do and what I've been wanting to do. Donna said, she said, I'm waiting on you to decide what you're going to preach so that I can decide what we're going to sing. And I said, well, why don't you decide what we're going to sing And maybe that will help me to decide what I'm going to preach. Now, I know you've lost all faith in me whatsoever. But I I want to walk in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus kind of reminded me this week. He said, listen, he said, I knew where I was going and what I was going to say. But I didn't preach any series. I just preached what they needed to hear. He said, and I'll let you preach some series again because I know that it puts you in a comfort zone, but right now, you just got to tell them what I'm putting in your spirit to tell them. So I'm going to either make you real happy or real mad today, one or the other. But I want you to know that I have bathed it in prayer. I have wrestled over it. I have fought over it. And even as early as this morning, I woke up at 5 o'clock and I said, God... Come on now. I mean, I know what I'm going to try and say, but I need some sense in my spirit that I'm on the right track here. At least give me that, will you? Just give me one little thing that will help me. And I opened up a a blog that I read every day by a man who is involved in ministry. He's a no-name. I'll just be honest with you. I I I don't listen to a lot of the big names. I like the no-names. And this is a no-name, and if I told you who it was, you wouldn't even know who it was. But he speaks to my spirit every day. And when I opened up that blog today to read his devotion, it was the very same thing that I had determined that I needed to share with you today. And I said, okay, God, I can go with that. I'll trust you. So this may not be the most eloquent. It may not have all the points and all the spots and all the moments that you may have grown accustomed to. But I'm just speaking to you from my heart today. And I want you to hear what God has to say to you. It is so easy for us in this world to forget that there's nothing too hard 
for God. Nothing too hard for Him. Matthew chapter 19. If you will begin reading with me at verse 16. It says, And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess. And give to the poor, and you will have treasure in the heaven, and then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say unto you, only with great difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, and when he says again here, he's not Talking in the, in the Greek here, he's not saying, I'm going to tell you something I've already told you. He said, I'm going to tell you, I have something else that I want to tell you. So listen, he says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they're tied together. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they said, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and he said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Father, thank you for your word. But I, I just need you today. I'm totally dependent upon you. It's not the first time I've been here. And it won't be the last. But I'm confident in knowing that if I keep my opinions to myself, and if I'll preach your word, then your word will never fall short of its goal. Because you said, if I send my word forth, it shall accomplish everything that I've send it, sent it forth to do. And in that confidence, my mouth is going to speak today. And God, I pray that you'll guard me and help me to stay on point and on track. And more importantly, I pray for this congregation. That they will rise to a new level of faith in their lives. And that they will understand that the very thing that they have allowed to intimidate them. Will intimidate them no more. The one thing in their life that they have not received victory for. And it has plagued them year after year after year today. Today, today, it shall die as their faith rises and, you, and they receive your statement that says, With God, all things are possible. 
let it be today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many of you have noticed that we live in a hopeless, hopeless world? I mean, there is so much hopelessness everywhere. It just doesn't take long at all for us in the morning to realize that there are people in this world that every day that they live, their lives are lived in hopelessness. As though there's no answer. A casual listen to the daily news confirms that the world is just full of hopeless people. Just this week in Louisville, the news reported that there was a man who was arrested for robbing a convenience store. And when they caught him and they asked him, why would you do this? His answer was, I had no other choice. It was the only hope that I had to be able to provide food for my family. And so he robbed the place hoping that he could feed his family. It's a world full of hopelessness. Jesus came to save the world. He knew he would have to accomplish it one person at a time. And that's the reason Jesus so, spent so much of his time moving among people and moving in and out of individuals' lives. He knew that he could speak to the groups. He knew that he would have the crowds. But the real ministry often took place in a situation where he was dealing with individuals. And such was the case here in Matthew chapter 19. When we get there, we see that there's a young man who approaches him. Now the context is this. Jesus is he, he's going from town to town. He's going from location to location. And he's teaching and he, he is preaching and he's declaring the things of the Father. And he's saying everything that you hear me say is coming from the Father. I don't speak anything of myself, but what I speak, I'm speaking on behalf of the Father, and he starts telling things and saying things that are contrary to the society that they're living in. In fact, if you'll look in chapter 19, verse 1, and through the first several verses, he, he tackles the issue of divorce, and he says, divorce is not from God. And they say, yeah, but you know, there are laws in place and Moses allowed for this. And he said, yes, Moses did allow for it, but it was not the father's best plan for the family. And so he talks about this issue of divorce. Aren't you thankful for grace today? That when we fall short of the ideal that God has for us, that he can pick us up and wipe us off and set us back on course if we are repentant. And then they say, well, there are these children that are running around here all the time and they're bothering you and they're bothering us and, and, and we need for them to move on out of the way so that something significant can happen. These kids are just in the way. And he said, oh, don't bother with the kids. Bring them because such is the kingdom of God. And he's talking like that. And in the midst of that conversation, this rich young man comes to him and he says, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, you need to do the commandments. He said, whatever the, the commandments of Moses were, you need to do in your life. So Jesus is saying that just because we're living in a day of grace does not mean that there aren't certain things that we ought to be doing. 
That we can't just do anything we want to do anytime we want to do it whenever and however and wherever we please. Jesus said, these things do. And he said, well, I've done those since I was a kid. And he said, well, then you need to sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And you know the story. The young man was very rich and he could not part with his money. And so he left because he was very sorrowful that the one thing that Jesus was asking him to give up so that he could follow Christ was the one thing that he was so attached to that he could not let it go. Can I just stop long enough preaching that I can meddle for just a minute? What are you holding on to that is so dear to you that you know good and well you're going to have to release if you're going to walk in the fullness of God's Spirit? What is it? I'm just asking that question because we all deal with that in our lives from time to time. There are all, all of us have things in our lives that we have grown accustomed to and we kind of enjoy. And we say things like that. Well, that's just the way I am. I was born that way. And I just, and if you don't like it, you can just lump it, big boy. Listen, God loves you. He will accept you however you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. When you come to Christ, the scripture says, you will become a new creature in him and all things will pass away and behold, all things become new. And in the last time I checked, our attitudes and our actions fall under that, that category of all things. And he didn't want to give up his money. And so he left sorrowfully because he knew that I cannot give this up in order to follow Christ. Now, he goes on, Jesus does, after the rich young man leaves and the disciples come and they said, how is anyone going to be saved then if, 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 if it's so hard that even a, a, a camel cannot pass through the eye of a needle, which is what he says. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But what Jesus is saying is it is impossible for anyone to come to Christ except through faith in Jesus Christ. You can't get there any other way. You can't, you can't humble yourself enough. You can't do enough things. You have to throw it all down and say, Jesus, I believe in you. For it is what we believe and what we confess that allows us to be saved. And so he makes this statement then and then he says, with God all things are possible. Now I want to talk to you just, about, just for a few moments about those things that he just says. He says, with God all things are possible. Now for a preacher, boy this breaks down just very easily. So let's look at the phrase first of all, with God. God. I did a little research and I studied, I studied the ESV, I studied the NIV, I studied the NKJV, I studied the KJV, I studied the, 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 uh, the CEV, I studied just about every version that I could get my hands on. And with the exception of one of those, you know what they all say is with God, all things are possible. 
So scholars do not debate the wording of this. They are saying with God. Now here's the problem with our world today. We want all things. We want all possibilities. But we want it on our terms. And we want to do it our way. And Jesus says very clearly, the only way that these possibilities will become reality in your life is when you partner yourself with God. These two words emphatically declare that impossible things become possible in the context of a working relationship with God. That's extremely important, so I'm going to read it to you again. Impossible things become possible in the context of a working relationship with God. How many of you have ever seen rowers on these teams that you, you see it in the colleges all, all around and they get in this big long boat and all of them have uh, oars that, that they're pulling on it and, and I don't know how many sit in the boat but there's a bunch of them uh, that, that are in there and they all have their oars and then there's one sitting right up front and they're, they're, they're saying to them row or whatever it is, that, whatever command that they give but they're all in sync. And they're all doing the same thing at the same time. They're all pulling when they're supposed to be pulling. They're all repositioning their oars when they're supposed to be repositioning their oars. They're working together, not against. Can you imagine if every other one was rowing in the opposite direction? Can you imagine the mess that there would be if everybody just said, hey, let's just go by the Holy Ghost and we don't have to have a plan and you just roll whatever feels good to you and you roll whatever feels good to you and you roll whatever feels good to you and roll, roll, roll your boat gently down the stream. We'd have such a mess in our lives that God would never receive any glory whatsoever. And if we're not careful, we get this mentality in our world that it's okay to be a little bit like Christ. It's, it's okay to do a few of the things that God wants us to do, but God will give me a little bit of liberty to get out of line if I want to over here. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, with God, all things are possible. One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game just recently retired. And I'm not going to say he's the greatest, but he's one of the greatest, Peyton Manning. And that man had impeccable timing. And, and, and yet as good as he was and as strong as his arm was, if he and his receivers were not in sync with one another, then Peyton might throw the ball somewhere where a receiver was not even standing or, or running. They have to be in sync. They have to know what play we're playing. We have to know the timing of it. They have to know I'm going to go down the yard five yards and I'm going to fake to the left and then I'm going to cut to the right. And when I turn around and look, the ball's going to be right there in my hands. Peyton's not going to wait until I turn around to throw the ball. He knows where I'm going to be and when I'm going to be there. And that is the reason he was able to be so successful because he was on the same page with his receivers. And let me tell you today, if you're ever going to see the kind of blessings in your life 
that you're hoping for and that the Bible describes, you're going to have to get on the same page with God. You're going to have to stop pulling against him and start walking with him and let him open the doors that need to be opened for you. His will must be the determining factor. His will must be the determining factor. We cannot dream up our own plan and then ask him to make it possible. For instance, what if I decided one day I get up and I look to my neighbor's deck and I see his wife standing on the deck and I, by the way, I don't have any deck in my backyard other than mine. So I must be using this for you, not me. But let's say that I walk out on my deck and my neighbor's wife is over there in a lounge chair and all of a sudden my holy self takes a break. And I say, well, you know, God really does want me to be happy. He really does want me to enjoy the scenery. And so since she's out there in plain view, I'll just act like I'm looking at the sky. I'll let my right eye look at the sky and my left eye look at her. Because I'm coveting my neighbor's wife. Something that does not, let me rephrase that. Someone who does not belong to me has now become the object of my desire. You say, well, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Jesus said, if any man looks upon a woman and lusts after her in his heart, it's as though he has committed adultery with her already. You're having fun today, aren't you? But if I let my mind determine what God's will for my life is, I'm going to get off track many, many times. What if I get up tomorrow and I say, you know, I've enjoyed being a Christian. But I also hear those Mormons are pretty good people too. And I think I'm going to start reading the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And I'm going to start throwing all of those principles in my blender. And I'll become some, uh, some sense of both of those. And, and also, you know, I hear Islam's pretty good. If you can get rid of all those, uh, all those radicals, then they've got some good things as part of their religious system as well. So I'll just put in a little Christianity in the blender. I'll put a little Mormonism in there as well. And hey, why not a little Islam as well? And while I'm at it, Buddha's good. I mean, I like Chinese food, and every time I go in, there's always a big Buddha over in the corner, and I go by and rub his belly every now and then, so why don't I just heed to some of his beliefs, and why don't I just take into my life some of his sayings, and then I can be a Christian, Mormon, Islam, Buddhist. And then, you know, that Hindu stuff, that's pretty cool, too. I like that. And so, you know, I, I don't know who God is, and where he is, and which one he is, and how I'm going to get there, so why don't I just play it safe and why don't I just do a little bit of all of it and everything will come out in the wash as my mama used to say why indeed why indeed because the Bible says that there is no other name given among men whereby men must be saved but the name of Jesus. There is none other that will take us into the presence of Almighty God except through Jesus Christ. So you have to either accept it all or reject it all. What if I don't like the person that I work with? 
And what if one day I'm fantasizing about their untimely death? Or maybe I start fantasizing about, well, maybe they could get fired. And then I see a way on their computer that I could set them up so that the boss would check their computer and find files on there and find things that could put their job in jeopardy. Oh, thank you, God, for opening this door of opportunity for me. Oh, no, no child of God would ever do that. Really? It happens all the time. When we set our minds on what makes sense in our way of human thinking, we open our eyes to possibilities that God would never, ever bless. What if I go to Waffle House when church is over? And I go in and I sit down and I say, I'd like to have coffee and water. I'd like to have the superstar. I want my eggs fried hard. I don't want any of the potatoes, but I'd like to have tomato slices instead. I'd like to have bacon. I want it crispy. I don't need any toast, but I would like for you to bring me a, 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 one of those uh, waffles. Bring me a waffle after I've already eaten my eggs and all that because we don't want our waffle to get cold now, do we, baby? And bring me another plate because I'm going to split that waffle in half and I'm going to give Donna half and we're going to share this meal together and make sure the coffee's hot, I'm hungry, I'm ready to go. Now go in Jesus' name. And they bring me my meal and I'm eating it and it's good and I've got cheese dripping down my, my, my beard and, and my face and I mean I'm sopping it up, up and I'm eating my waffle and I'm enjoying it and all of a sudden all the employees at Waffle House decide it's time to go outside and take a smoke. And so out the back door they go and they're out there enjoying themselves and this thought comes into my mind. Thank you God that you have provided this wonderful meal for me absolutely free of charge. Because I'm pretty sure I can get out the front door and in my car and down the highway before they can finish up their cigarette. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing me in such a wonderful way. Now, I know that some of you are looking at me and saying, he's on drugs. Our pastor is high on something this morning. But let me tell you something. I've been pastoring enough years to know that I see every week of my life people in the church doing things that are just as stupid as the kind... Oh, excuse me. I meant to say idiotic. As the very things that I'm talking about, God has spoken clearly through His Word what our activities and our attitudes and our actions should be. And yet in our high and holy state of arrogance, we decide God doesn't really mean that. So I'm going to do whatever in the world I want to do. And then I'm going to have the arrogance to come to Him and say, Oh God, will you bless the labor of my hand today. Let me tell you something right now. He ain't going to do it. Because God will not bless anything that is contrary to his will and his way. I just knew by now you'd be shouting and running the tops of the pews and screaming and hollering and saying amen. Instead of slinking down in your seat afraid that you're going to get hit by one of the rockets that's coming out of the pulpit this morning. 
me tell you, I'm not trying to hurt you. Why would I want to do that? As your shepherd, as your pastor, why would I want to hurt you in that way? I want to help you. And that's the reason I'm saying to you, we've got to change our lifestyle in order to come under the will of God for our lives so that he can then say, now you're walking in my ways and I can freely bless you and I will bless you. It just takes one act of humility which settles the question of who is in charge. So let me ask you today, are you working against God? Or are you working with God? Only you can answer that. One of my greatest frustrations as a, in a, as a pastor, and I see it every week of my life, is seeing individuals in the church that I've been called to lead just refuse. Just out and out refuse to be obedient to the Word of God. Oh, I know, I know we're not going to be shouting right now. But let me tell you, if I could counsel you to do anything in your life that would turn circumstances and change your circumstances, the one thing that I would recommend that you do is to start eating this book and saying, if there are any adjustments that need to be made, I'm the one that's going to make them. I'm not going to ask God to adjust His plan to what I think is the right way of living. The first thing he says is with God. Then he says all things. All things. Now it's very clear that Jesus is speaking of, it, of this specific context. But it is equally clear. That he is opening the door. That allows us to expect a divine response. To all things in our lives. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Because God wants to not just bless me spiritually, but He wants to bless me physically. He wants to bless me emotionally. He wants to bless me materialistically. He wants to bless me in every way. He's the one who said all things. And so this concept of all things is seen as a common thread, not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well. We see Job chapter 42, where Job, after coming through one of the most difficult times of his life, he says, oh, he said, I had heard about you with the earring of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you, and I am convinced that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Listen, let me tell you something right now. As long as you think it's impossible in your life, it will remain impossible to you. But it has never been impossible to God. It wasn't impossible to Him yesterday. It's not impossible for Him today and it won't be impossible for Him tomorrow. But what you've got to learn to do is like Job say, I heard about it, but now I have experienced it and that's the reason I can boldly declare that you can do all things. Mark chapter 9 verse 23 says, And Jesus said to them, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. 
A man comes to Jesus and says, My child has been overtaken by a demonic spirit. But if you can get rid of the demon, then he'll, he'll be well. He'll be okay. And Jesus said, if, if you can? If you can? I mean, he had to be insulted. He's walking around. He's raising the dead. He's setting people free. He's opening blinded eyes. And then all of a sudden a, demon's in, a demon is involved. In well, if you can cast this demon out. If you can. And we live our lives in that if you can mentality. And he goes on and says, all things are possible for those who believe. And in chapter Mark, Mark chapter 14, verse 36, in his own dark moment, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now I need to meddle right here for a moment. Is that okay? You strapped in? You all right? If anybody's mad at me, you'll get over it here in just a minute. This is where we start creating our own checklist of things that we think we can do and get away with. Here's the very Son of God who in the Garden of Gethsemane decides, I am under a huge emotional weight right now and I'm feeling it. And so Lord, if you could change the plan just for me. If you could do it different just this once for me. Lord, I know that you're able to do all things. Will you remove this cup from me? And if that had happened, God was able. But if that had happened, there would have been no restitution made for the sins of man. And you and I would have never been able to be saved and to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. But thank God Jesus didn't stop there. He said, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Let me tell you, there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to beg God, please do it a different way. Please don't make me have to go through this. Please, Lord, change the plan. But you're also going to have to come to a place where you say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. So won't grace allow me to do all things? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 says, All things are lawful for me. But he goes on and says, But not all things are expedient or helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. What Paul is saying is that you don't have to abide by everything that the Old Testament law declared as proper actions anymore, but neither can you just open up the floodgate and do whatever you want, whenever you want it, when it violates the principles of Scripture. You have to say all things may be lawful, but not all things are expedient or good for me. And Romans 8 verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He gave us Jesus. Why wouldn't he give us everything else that we need? Why wouldn't he provide everything else that we need? He will, if we'll believe him for it. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. 
That's one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Word of God. Because it's telling you what you already have. You already have all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know how that you obtain it? You know how that you activate it? Do you know how you work it in your life? By having and activating the knowledge of Jesus Christ that He has provided for you by His Word. When you do what this book says do, you will become not just a hearer only, but a doer as well. And you will be blessed in the doing of the Word of God. I need to quit. He said, with God, stop fighting God, stop fighting His ways, get in step with Him. All things, He can do anything. He's able. You don't have to worry about if it's too hard for God. He said, well, it might be too hard for me. Well, if God's in you by His Spirit, then greater is He in you than he that is in the world or what is in the world. Isn't that right? So stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about impossibilities. Stop worrying about what might, could, should, would, might, if. Start saying, I know that God's power is more than able to help me to look this thing square in the eye and win every time. One other thing he says. Come help me quit if you will. Sister Donna, I love you. Look at your neighbor and say, with God. Tell them all things. Are possible. That's the last thing he said. He said, if you'll get on my team and walk with me, all things will be possible to you. Listen, possible implies that natural results are attainable when spiritual conditions are met. Let me say that again. Possible implies that natural results are attainable when spiritual conditions are met. Now Jesus illustrates this by saying this. He says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Would you not agree with me that it would be impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? So what Jesus is saying to them is is that there's no way that this rich man can find his way to Christ except by faith. No action. Nothing that he can do. Now there are three theories that I want you to be aware of. The first theory about this statement is what scholars call the entrance theory. Which suggests that in the wall that there was a smaller entrance off to the side of the main gate. And when they would close the main gates at night, then they would have to go through that little crawl space. And there are those who are saying, it's possible, but it's not probable that you could get a camel through that little opening. The problem with that is, is that archaeologists have never found such a gate never oh they'll theorize oh well if you get all of the saddles off of the camel and if it's a small camel and if you get him low enough 
And if you get him started right, and if you prod him appropriately, he'll go through that little opening. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, well, if you do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and if you'll do a little of this and a little of that, you can maybe find your way. No, he's saying it is absolutely impossible for you to find your way to the Savior unless you come by faith. There's the entrance theory and then there's the cable theory. The cable theory suggests that years and years ago, a scribe miswrote one of the letters in the Old Testament writings. And instead of it being translated camel, it should be translated cable. It's called the cable theory. And what they're suggesting is is that a cable is a rope. And so if you have a big enough needle, you can thread that rope through the eye of that needle if you work hard at it and if you work long enough. Or if you spread the cable apart a little bit so that it becomes thinner, you can put. But it is possible. No, that's not what Jesus is saying either. And then the third theory is what is called the hyperbole theory which is where Jesus is purposefully using exaggerated words to bring home a point he wants to use words that are so impactful that it will get their attention and cause them to understand that what he's saying is true it wasn't the first time that Jesus did it You remember when he said, you need to get the beam out of the eye? Hyperbole. You remember when he said, if your hand offends you, what are you supposed to do? Cut that sucker off, Cain. If your eye offends you, what are you supposed to do? Pluck that baby out. Hyperbole. It's exaggerated expressions that cause you to perk your ears and hear what it is that's being said. And that is most likely what is taking place right here in this instance. Because Jesus is speaking it in such a way that people are saying this is weird stuff he's talking about. But what he is talking about makes sense. It's saying, look, there are going to be things in life that you face. You're going to try and figure it out. You're going to try and put your own plan together. You're going to try to create your own way. You're going to think it through. You're going to even pray about it a few times. I'm going to pray about this. I believe God will give me the wisdom that I need here in this situation. And all of a sudden we come up with this idea and the light bulb goes off in our heads. And we think that is the way out. But what Jesus is saying here is listen, you have to develop a relationship with me, a working relationship. A working relationship with me whereby you will say every time though I cannot do it in my flesh while I can't do it in my own way of doing things I don't have to worry about trying to do it my own way because God has already said 
that with me, all things are possible. Aren't you glad to know today that all things are possible with God? Will you stand with me this morning?